0: Mody no, my hooky, myky, multi-millionaire. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Jamie, who is a property investor and has built his wealth through investing in property. So, Kia ora, Jamie, and welcome to the Multi-Millionaire Podcast. Um, what made you get into? Oh, firstly, did you want to introduce yourself?
1: Oh, Kia ora, everyone. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to talk to the listeners today. And um, it's a, it's a, I guess it's something I'm really passionate about around financial independence and literacy. So obviously I've been talking with you to Kahukura and I love the kaupapa that you're involved with and thanks for inviting me on today to um, share any insights that might be of some value to your listeners.
0: Cool, so what made you get into real estate investing?
1: Um, I sort of fell on it by accident really. Um, if, if I'm completely honest, I got to the point where i was relatively youngish in life i was i'd reached the age of about 35 um and i'd reached the point where i was mortgage free and i was financially free Mm -hmm. um and then it was at that point then i started looking in terms of i guess how i could capitalize on that to build intergenerational wealth for um our wider whānau so it wasn't something that uh anyone had an influence on me it was just more sort of me thinking oh I've got an opportunity here and it's, um, you know, it's it's best not to bungle it and, you know, obviously think about the future. And I guess that's how I stumbled. So I started looking into edu- property education courses to assist me with um, building a financial independence path. And I guess that's how I, I went about it. Um, and that, in, in particular, around that um, schooling that I had, which was, I think it was nine Tuesdays, it's probably the best. Uh, value for dollar that I've obtained Mm. I guess even throughout my um, professional career as well. So something that put me on the right path.
0: Yeah that's awesome. So um, tell us about your first investment property. How much did it cost and what area was this in and yeah just tell us about that.
1: Okay so good great question. So my first investment property was in 2017 Mm. um, and that was kind of in a flat market actually and that was here in Manurewa in Auckland all my investment properties are here in Manurewa, Auckland um, and so just looking at the numbers in terms of that um, in particular for that particular um, acquisition uh, the total cost price was 820,000 and that was that came with two dwellings so I've always typically, the stuff that I learned out of the coaching uh, clinic was to really look at um, obtaining high yields so that your cash flow positive from the outset. So back then it was it was really possible to be able to achieve those sorts of things. But with asset prices rising and cash flow is a bit strained in this particular environment, a lot of investors are now moving out into regions like your Christchurches and so forth or your, or your Napier markets where you can still obtain a yield. So I guess my objective was to try and uh, look for an asset that basically could, you know, what they say in the industry, wipe its own face, as in pay its own way. So I, so go, just dwelling on the numbers, uh, that property cost me 820000 When I took ownership of the property, there were two dwellings there. Uh, the front dwelling was renting at four hundred and thirty, and the back uh, dwelling was renting at... From memory, it was about the 400 mark. So, Mm -hmm. typically, when I've, this is quite a a very simplistic way of looking at it when analyzing the numbers from a cash flow positive perspective. And I know a lot of our whānau out here might be speaking a bit of gibberish. I better break it down. Mm -hmm. I always typically look at, looking for a rental income that exceeds the purchase price so what I mean by that is if you're purchasing it for $820,000 I want a, a rent that has the ability to be more uh, per week in terms of the purchase price so in this particular instance the rental was $830 a week if I include both properties and the, and the asset acquisition to buy the property was 820000 does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, hopefully I'll, I'll try to make that as, as simplistic as possible. Generally, when you look at it from <clears> that aspect, the numbers, um, it, it also depends on your interest rates as well, but the numbers generally marry up whereby you get into that situation where you're not having to top up your mortgage.
0: Mm. So you're saying that you look at it from the, the total cost of the property as opposed to the weekly or monthly cost of the mortgage? was what you're saying
1: Yeah, so so when i talk about cash flow positive property i talk about cash flow positive proper property on an interest only basis as a standpoint it's the first part if you if you've got principal that also contribute that you can contribute into being a positive outcome then obviously you know i recommend putting as in as much as you can to be paying down the debt um so from that aspect from me from the outset it was me taking hold of an asset in a flat market that basically didn't require me, I could still go to mahi, do my things, and the the rental income would still come in, I'll do my payments, make my maintenance payments, my rates, my insurance, and I still wouldn't have to contribute any of my own putia from my mahi into the investment, and that's an example of how um, having an investment, um, you know, that wipes its own face can benefit you, so you're not working hard and long and you've got people that are rowing on the same waka as you now Mm. just the positive thing is with this investment is um i have uh two whanau members in in these two dwellings i have my mother-in-law who's who's um in her late 60s and i have my two daughters that are uh around about your age they're in their um in their late teens early 20s and they're both renting it uh renting both properties so the way i'm looking at it is trying to set up Uh, the children so that essentially they're not paying someone else's mortgage, they're paying dad's mortgage. So essentially, you know, once they get to a level of maturity and responsibility, then, you know, the asset's going to be there for them to build intergenerational wealth. Mm
0: -mm. How how much money do your properties generate? Like in total, I'll see if you don't want to share your financials, but um, that's that's
1: that's fine. I think it's, I think it's important. um, Like uh, so I have six rentals, mm-hmm. uh, now I have, um, I have eight in total, but six rentals that derive income. Obviously the seventh one is the, the home that I stay in myself, and then the eighth one is is my mum stays in that, and she's a pensioner, so she's worked hard all her life, so she, she stays in that, and she's basically, um, she doesn't pay anything. But in terms of the six rentals, I have a total rental income of, uh, last time I checked was $176,000 a year. Um, so that's roughly, give or take, it's roughly about, works out to be about 30, close to 30K uh, per dwelling. Uh, once you factor in your maintenance cost, your insurance cost, what you call OPEX, operate, operational expenditure. Once you factor in your rates, your insurance, your property management fees, and you factor in other, um, I guess, unforeseen circumstances, like if a funny paku goes down or whatever it may be. Shower needs fixing. I usually factor about six to seven thousand, or seven thousand, probably with inflation per uh, um, for those operating expenditures per year. Mm, cool. Um,
0: what are your goals for investing in real estate?
1: My goals uh, weren't really—they're not, in a way—they—they're not really monetary driven. They're driven by having um, more time with my Fano, having more quality time with my Fano, and I guess not being on the corporate ladder. I guess where I'm having to work until I basically drop dead—that's not a quality of life um, Mm. for me. And um, I guess the most important thing is—is—is your health. And so I guess you know, being in a, in a good physical well-being state and um, is more important than any sort of um, wealth wheel. But we all know that um, without money, you can't pay the bills. So that, that's extremely important and it can buy you independence. So in terms of my goals, I, I, I didn't really set out with any lofty goals, to be quite honest. I, I just want to continue to try and add to the property portfolio as things progress. At the moment, I'm sort of in the situation where inflation's biting really hard. I'm curbing my spending, as a lot of farmers are out there. Um, and I've always had a good, decent understanding of financial literacy. Um, I wasn't really the most cleverest student at school, to be honest. Like, I dropped out of school you know, in my sixth form. Um, so a lot of the information that I've picked up over my time has been more around just going to these property classes and, I guess, learning from other people, networking, asking a lot of questions. Being prepared to listen, take on advice, um, look at new ideas, and you're you're always learning. No matter how old you are, you're always learning. So,
0: mm-hmm. what advice would you give to someone who's looking at um, entering the property market or investing in property? Um, what advice would you give them?
1: You definitely need a great team around you. Um, you know, starting from the outset, um, obviously. Go through your goals in terms of when you want to achieve, what sort of market do you want to enter? Do you want to enter an Invercargill market that's 400000 Do you need to live in your first house? Can you buy a house and, and can it be a rental while you're stay, staying in a, another rental? You know, sometimes it makes economic sense for you to, um, to to look at things like that just to actually get on the ladder. Because what we do know from a property perspective over the last 30 years, <coughs> even 40 years, is that property goes up 7% year on year here in Aotearoa. Mm. If you look at it from an Auckland perspective, you're looking at it from 6% to 9%, depending on what suburb, like your Point Chevaliers here in Tamaki, Makoto, you're mm. looking at 9%, 10%. Yep. And for your it was at the lower end. Um, so it's, I guess it's um, the advice I'd have to whanau is just... Um, setting a goal in terms of your deposit, the most important thing is, um, you know, you outline these on your podcast could uh, Kauikora, just setting goals where you're achieving those, um, I guess, those um, monthly saving requirements, you know, whether it be initially investing in um, the stock market, Mm-mm. because that's probably the easiest way uh, for a younger person to get on the lad- property ladder ultimately is to actually invest in assets that you can afford to, and everyone can afford to invest in, in, in the stock market if they've got a little bit of disposable income, whether it's $10 a week, $50, it all counts at the end of the day with the compound interest effect.
0: Exactly. Compound
1: interest being the eighth wonder of the world. So I'd, I'd look at doing that first initially. Um, and then from that point, um, building up enough savings so that you're able to go uh, deposit on a, on a, I'd say a new build house in this market But there's no doubt there's opportunities uh, with old build houses because it comes with land, right? And land gives you the the opportunity to build another dwelling in behind or whatever on the land that you've already purchased. Now that's really powerful. Actually having a piece of land and a house that has opportunity for you to buy. Build another home on the on the on the on the back of the uh, property because essentially you've already paid for the land and the fuddy in the first place. So, secondary, you're you're only obviously um, purchasing the the construction of the house. So that makes economic sense to actually utilise the asset value, the whenua that you've already purchased. But I do understand with those land value type properties, they are a bit more expensive. Um, whereas the new build houses, what happens with the new builders? Yeah, um, the the deposit um, the deposit in terms of the deposit it's it's a lot lower so from an old build perspective you're looking at upwards twenty percent deposit just to just to fund that property whereas for a new build it's around about the five or ten percent so it's a lot easier to get into the new build market as a first home buyer as opposed to an old build property so. You just got to remember and take that attitude that that mm. first house is not necessarily the one you're going to live in for the rest of your life, but it's a stepping stone for you to get on that 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 journey.
0: Yeah, I really like that, Carl. I also like what you were saying about creating your team, which is um, something that I like to promote and think that it's really important. So, who's who's in your team, and who do you look at for financial advice?
1: <laughs> the, the key the key people around you to, to is you. You definitely need a great. Um, uh, Accountant, that's really, really, um, really important because the accountant, uh, when you're in the rental property game, is um, the, they make you a lot of putty in terms of, um, looking at ways that you can offset um costs. You know, like for instance, like the shuttles on your house, like your lights, your drapes, um, all those sorts of little things. Your oven, those are costs that can be depreciated over a five-year period. Where you can offset costs where you might have to pay IRD or anti-Jacinda. You can offset that through, um, you know, depreciating your channel. so it, it decreases your tax bill basically on every every year. And just for the final out there, there's, this is nothing to do with dodging tax. It's all legitimate. It's just it's just being about being tax efficient, so mm-hmm. that you're basically not paying. Uh, te, you know, a heck of a lot of tax back on, on. The other thing is, you need a really good mortgage broker. That's probably the most crucial person that you need. Now, um, from my perspective, I really recommend having a mortgage broker as opposed to going directly to the bank to borrow because the, the thing is with the mortgage broker is. They're trying to advocate for you. They're, yes, they are the middleman, but essentially they're there to advocate for you. But more importantly, they know the market. They're dealing with it on a day-to-day basis. So they'll know what the one-year rate is for ANZ today. might be 4.5%. Whereas if you go directly to the bank, you might settle for a 4.7%. And mm. that little 0.2% on a million-dollar mortgage is a heck of a lot of money. And that's why I strongly believe having a mortgage broker there to basically be the the middle person to negotiate your uh, interest rate is extremely important. They can also provide you suggestions on how you can curb your spending. Because you need to ensure when you've got your bank statements that you've got a good, clean set of accounts. You, you're, um, you're not uh, using the credit card going to Sylvia Park or Monaco Westfield on a, on a weekly basis. <laughs> Those <laughs> things are really important. And a mortgage broker can direct you in terms of what you need to do to get your accounts up to a, 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 a you know acceptable standard so that the bank looks at you as a, as a person that is highly responsible and physically responsible because that's really important they need to be able to trust that when they borrow when they uh, lend the money to you that you are able to pay that money back and that requires financial discipline so mm. they need to see that you have that financial discipline and you've proven to have those habits and that's why even if you're not in a position to buy a fuddy today i really recommend having a look even talking to a broker even you could be five years out but at least establish some really key core responsibilities and goals so that you can start i guess shaping your your life towards achieving that goal um yeah
0: that's some awesome advice and i think that um lots of my viewers are going to really find value in what you're saying if if you could restart your investing career is there anything that you would change
1: I'd- I, I, I hear this a lot from, from people in the sector. Um, it's probably I would have started a heck of a lot earlier. Mm. Uh, I bought my first house at the age of 26. Um, and then I think I was 35 before I was mortgage-free. Um, that would probably be my biggest regret um, in terms of, but I, I don't sort of take it as a regret. I take it as a learning because the learnings that I've taken out of that, I'm going to ensure that I pass it on to Angatahi. Um, and, and our, our next generation because one thing's for sure with, as we're seeing right now with inflation, um, you, you know you just need to be able to have assets that are going to actually provide income um, whether you're sleeping at night or whether you're at mahi. you know you need to as you've touched on a lot with your focado uh, tacokuda you know with having passive income is really important. You don't want to be working up until you're 80. And you've got you you're, you've got ailments, health ailments, and you're really relying on that dollar to come in a, and, and go to mahi. So you really want to be able to build a future. And people, young Mangatangi out there, if you are listening, it's it's uh, it's not unachievable. It's it's definitely achievable. It's just a, it's a it's like going to the gym. You know, people want that outcome. You know, from week one, but it just requires a bit of discipline over over a two to three year period of time. And with compound interest, the way that properties go up. Um, uh, historically, like a million dollar property today, based on historics, is going to be worth $1.1 million next year. And that's proven over a fact. That's not just plucking numbers out of the sky. So, you think about that. That's $100,000 that you've made. Um, Yes, it's not money in your back pocket, but the value of your house has gone up that much and appreciated that much, um, that you haven't had to earn earn that. You've just had to pay your mortgage off um, and continue to pay your mortgage off over time. So, the key word is leverage, really, like using um, using, borrowing money. Like people go, oh, debt, debt, all oh, debt. There's, there's, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Obviously, credit card expenditure is bad debt, but um, borrowing for an asset is, is good debt as long as you're physically respons- responsible and you're ensuring that you're meeting your mortgage repayments on time. And also understanding we're in an interest rate Environment now, where interest rates were 2.2 percent last year, this time last year they're now at 4.5. So mm-hmm. you think about that—that's basically a doubling of an interest rate, which means your interest payments have just gone through the roof. I'm hearing like 800 to a thousand dollars more per month. But the key thing is, Farno, that um, you know, in terms of the bank, they won't give you a loan. They won't borrow. They won't lend to you on the basis of you being able to survive a 2% interest rate. They they there's what they call the testing rate. So they test you at six, seven percent. That rate goes up higher as interest rates increase. If they go lower, then that testing rate comes down. Mm-hmm. So they won't put it this way, they won't give you the money if they don't think that you've got the ability to pay it back, even if the interest rates are rising. Mm.
0: Um, just a side note, um, I think you said that you Bought your house when you were twenty six, and you mortgage free when you were thirty five. So, a nine year period. Did you do voluntary contributions to your mortgage, or how did you pay off your mortgage in nine years?
1: Just really working hard. Um, really, there was there's no secret to it. I just wanted to get rid of that debt as fast as I could. Um, mm-hmm. it, there, there was no real secret to it. I did I did have an initial deposit for the funny when I first bought it of two hundred thousand. So yep. that was quite a significant, if you think back to 2008, when I first bought my place during the GFC, the, the, the you know, the prices of homes back and then, you know, were around half a million dollars today, obviously they're a million plus. So I, I have benefited, I guess, in terms of, um, uh, the time that I purchased them. Um, that's, that, that, that that's, that's a real important point, but to my point, like, You know, you could go to Invercargill today and get a half a million dollar property. You know, it really thinking critically and laterally outside the square is quite important. As I mentioned earlier, you don't necessarily have to live in your first house. Mm -hmm. You know, you could go to Invercargill, you could buy a $500,000 property in Invercargill and you could rent it out. And then over that time at a 6% growth rate, you know, by, by the time, you know, 10 years rolls around, what are we now, 2022 and 2032, what we do know is that place is likely to be not worth 500000 could be worth a million dollars. You know, mm-hmm. so if you always, you always got to look long term in your decisions. There is no get rich quick scheme. It takes a lot of hard work and sacrifice. And you always want to be paying down that uh, debt on your own home in particular um, as fast as you can when you turn into investment mode, then you're looking to balance your portfolio a little bit more in terms of looking at that because essentially um, the, there's power and leverage. So it's it's about getting that balancing it right. And and it can be difficult at times, but you've just got to consult, talk to people, talk to your mortgage broker, talk to experts, read content news. I'm always keeping up with the news on a regular basis. And like, here's an example for you to go, could have for the listeners out there. Um, Not many people know, uh, with I guess, without a mortgage broker telling you, say, for instance, an interest rate is 5% today. We know that interest rates are on the rise. If you know that your mortgage is coming up for renewal in under 60 days, I would be talking to the broker today to lock in the 5% rate today or 4.5% rather than paying a 5.5% rate in 60 days' time. So those sorts of little things you can lock in your rate in advance, two months in advance. For ASB, it's 48 days. For your ANZs at 60 days and that makes a huge difference over a year if you're paying a 0.5% difference from on a million dollar mortgage or $700,000 mortgage it's a huge difference so those are little things that you can look to do keep engaged with the news that's really important, like I I noticed that you listen to radio New Zealand business news in in, in the morning. I couldn't um I couldn't encourage that more reading the newspaper, the business section. If you don't aren't able to read the business section, you know you've got um you got platforms like Radio New Zealand, you've got News Talk ZB that do business forums. Um, so there's plenty of content out there and you can obviously reach out to Tikahura. If you want to reach out to me, I am happy to to assist in any way.
0: That's awesome. Thanks so much. Just one final question um, before we run out of time what do you, what's your why and why do you continue to um, invest in not only property but um, in your in your mātauranga about investing and you know, why, why are you doing this basically?
1: Really, my why really doesn't come back to the bank balance at the end of the day, it's about my whānau and my wider whānau and trying to leave a legacy where it becomes intergenerational as we know, going back to a colonial times back in the 1800s, you know our whānau, you know, were was severely affected. And we're all still trying to, I guess, get back on an even playing field. And we face a lot of um, uh, negative statistics out there. And it's quite easy to sort of dwell on them, dwell on those negative statistics. But it only takes one person within your whanau to break that cycle. You know, mm. and there are opportunities out there. And I know things aren't easy at the moment with cost of living. And, and it's easy for me to say, but you know, look at other avenues we can make income, um, you know, other aspects that you've been highlighting on your on your podcast, Te Kaukura. Um, Just look at ways that you can, and more importantly, it's not just about the income, it's also about ensuring you're on top of your spending as well. That's really important. You know, I know a lot of people that are on six-digit figures, you know, $100,000 a year plus, um, but at the end of the month, they've got nothing left, so... You know, when you when you're earning more, you do tend to enjoy yourself a bit more, and and you start to spend a bit more. And I think it's really important um, for whānau out there. Um, you know, if they want to look forward, that um, that that I guess investing in assets is 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 extremely important because it's essentially capital growth, and what we know capital growth is is that that asset grows over time. Um, and it's i i just can't stress it, uh, i guess how important it is to look at asset growth because it'll it will give you financial independence going back to my uh, to my why um it's it's all about whānau for me it's about trying to put my children i've got three lovely children uh, 13 uh, 21 and 26 it's about putting them in a position that they're not going to struggle in tomorrow's uh, you know in tomorrow's uh, journey Mm. and just the way i see it at the moment is if, if i'm not there to pick up the slack and help them assist them on on a property journey then it's, it's going to be extremely difficult and it only takes one more than the whanau to break that cycle i've come from a middle new zealand background not extremely wealthy but my mum and dad they work really hard mm. um they've, they've instilled those values in me um nothing comes easy in life and if you continue on with that positive attitude work hard look at ways of I guess looking for extra income so that I guess that's my driver to coco it it's all about um, leaving uh, a legacy for my children that um, they will be able to afford a fare when they when they when they're at that age of, of maturity and that you know they won't be lenient on the state to help prop them up you know they'll be completely financially independent and more importantly I want to to be not just the situation of um, creating a legacy from from myself through to the children, but I also want that legacy to c- continue on and just continue on downstream. Down and it only takes one person within that whare to have that whakaro, anything's possible. It only st- starts with one thought, and I can't emphasise that emu- uh, enough because there's a lot of opportunity out there for our family.
0: That was awesome. Thanks, Jamie. Um mo, um to And I think that there's going to be a lot of people who really enjoy what you're saying and are able to take um some value from what you're saying. So thanks so much for joining us today. That was awesome. Kia ora.